Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. In fact, the number one daily NFL program right here. Locked On NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like every show here on the network. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. Our guest today is James Yarko. He's the host of Locked On Buccaneers. We're going to get into Jameis Winston, some big questions at quarterback with the Bucs as they head into the 2020 offseason. But first, a little bit of news here, Matt. And I know you were really in tune with this when it went down and Miles Garrett and that melee that happened on the field against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm a little bit surprised that Garrett has already been reinstated by the NFL. Yeah, uh, great conversation coming up here with James. I'm excited about that. Business is booming on this podcast. As you mentioned, we're growing like crazy, thanks to everyone. And I do think this Garrett news is is big because people are probably thinking, ah, Williamson's going to hate this guy. He bashed Rudolph over the head. He's a Steeler homer. I love Miles Garrett. I think he's a tremendous player, was very much in the defensive player of the year conversation for me before this and frankly, was really, really missed by the Browns while he was suspended. I, I think the end of their season could have gone differently. It was a egregious act. But I even said then on my Steelers show that I thought the fine, the proper way of handling it was not letting him play football again this season, bring him back at that point. And unfortunately for guys like that, though, then you're on a short leash. You know, like if he does normal defensive end things and hits a quarterback high, everyone's going to be like, oh, he's a dirty player. You know, like now he's marked. Right. Yeah, he is marked. And the thing is, he's a really good dude, too. Like that. this is something that really surprised me by him. And he's actually flying to Tanzania next week to bring clean water to locals in need over there. And so, I mean, for me, I don't have a problem at all with Miles Garrett and, you know, hopefully this doesn't follow him around and, and really have a dark cloud over his career because I think he's a really great player and I think he's a really good person too. And, and I was really surprised by that incident that happened on the field. I just think the timing's a little bit weird that he's already been reinstated. I, I was sure he's going to be reinstated by the time the season started, but I thought that's something they would handle in the summer, you know, maybe, you know, leading up to training camp. But uh, they just, I guess they wanted to just get that out there and let him go and, and get him reinstated so he's fully involved in the offseason program and and there's nothing uh and maybe it'll give people time to not talk about it maybe it's a yeah i mean i guess yeah if now you think about it it's a lot better for garrett and the browns to have this news now there's not any more news about garrett now and like this is going to be months in the in the rear view no new like oh he's reinstated oh let's let's go over this whole thing that happened again and, and relive all this stuff right before the season starts, this is pretty much done and hands are washed. Yeah, and I give the NFL credit because many times suspensions, potential suspensions. Example, I mean, Tyreek Hill going into the draft, we didn't know yet, you know, so they draft Miko Hardman, and yes, that worked out, and they win, run the Super Bowl, but don't you think these teams would like to know, hey, is my guy suspended or not? Can you act promptly on it, please, if possible? And oftentimes the NFL doesn't, and they disappear for months, and then you don't hear about it. So I know Garrett was talking to the league a couple days ago. I'm sure he stated his case very well. He's a very well-rounded, smart guy, as you mentioned, by all accounts. 
And I'm sure they said, okay, it's a somewhat of an isolated incident. I know he had a few other, you know, flare-ups and things before that, but so what? I mean, he's a defensive lineman. And don't do it again, and we're going to have your eye on you, but, hey, you're back at it. And I think that's the right move. I want to stay in the division talk Cincinnati Bengals really quick. And for some reason in my mind, I had already had it that Andy Dalton was a free agent or that he was already going to be gone from Cincinnati, but he's still under Mm. contract there. And Duke Tobin had talked about how all options are still open for Andy Dalton. And now there's talk this week that there's a potential trade that the Bengals could be willing to work out for Andy Dalton. Do you see that as a fit anywhere? Do you think they should just cut him? Do you think they can get anything back? And, And where would be a fit for Dalton? A lot of places. I mean, to be very honest, I mean, I'm not a Dalton believer. I, you know, didn't talk him up coming out of school, but you can win games with this guy. I mean, he's better than what some people were playing with a quarterback last year. I mean, for example, if the, let's say the Bears or Steelers would have had 16 games of Andy Dalton, they'd probably go to the playoffs. You know I mean? Some teams that were really bad at the quarterback position. So I keep thinking like, what if Brady leaves? Maybe they go sign Dalton, you know? I mean, there's a lot of fits. Maybe Mm. it's Tampa. Maybe it's the Chargers. And I think if you do go that route, he's better than – Fitzpatrick played well, but he's better than that type of true bridge guy that you could win a little bit while you groom somebody else. I'm having a hard time thinking of where he would fit because I think teams – he won't be anybody's first choice, but when a couple of – big name guys go elsewhere, maybe a team will circle back with the Bengals and think, yeah, you know what? Maybe we can't do better than Andy Dalton, and he's the perfect guy for right now while we try to get maybe a draft pick ready to go. Here's a out-of-the-limb prediction is we've talked about how the Bengals are hard to deal with. So the window's open now. They're, they'll listen, but they'll want too much. Teams will focus on other players. Maybe we get into camp, somebody gets hurt, or we get past the draft and the Chargers didn't get their guy or Carolina didn't get their guy in the draft, and then they give the Bengals what they want and they get a nice pick out of it. But overall, I mean, the Bengals need a lot, and if you can turn him into, you know, two nice picks or, you know, a second and a fifth or third and a fourth or I don't know. I mean, I'm just totally blowing that up, pulling that off the top of my head. They could certainly use those picks somewhere. Let's put it this way. The Pittsburgh Steelers last year, it was a debacle at quarterback after Big Ben went down. Yeah. If the Steelers had Andy Dalton instead of Rudolph and Duck Hodges for the whole season after Roethlisberger's injury, what do you think their record would have been? Eight and eight better than where they where they landed at eight and eight? Yeah, because the better. end with Duck was unbearable, was not NFL quarterback play. I even took it so far as to say, if they would have had Eli, who I think is done and stinks, but knows how to get people in and out of the huddle and where to go to the football and all the mental side of things, they go to the playoffs at least. They at least win one more, maybe two more games with that defense. And I think the, the same is at least true with Dalton. Like, I think it's a stretch to say they're 11-5 and five with Andy Dalton, but they didn't – I mean, that was probably the worst quarterback play in the league, and they would have been 20th on that list, and that's enough to win a couple games. Still kind of amazing with that quarterback yeah. play that the Steelers got to 8-8, eight and eight. and Andy Dalton still has a, a, a career in front of him, uh, sort of a forgotten man right now with all the big names that are out there on the free agent market. It's going to be a fun offseason, and there's names that, that we're not even thinking about that, that could have an impact on this thing, a ton of draft picks as well. Might be a nice shakeup in the NFL and uh, a really new look 
league next year if a lot of quarterbacks change teams, like guys like Rivers and, and Tom Brady. I mean, it's just hard to imagine those guys in other uniforms. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I can't even picture it. Um, I do think Dalton will be in another uniform, though. A team that might have Rivers or Brady or who knows, Dalton in Tampa Bay. Let's talk to James Yarko next. Our guest today is James Yarko. He is the host of Locked On Buccaneers. He's kind enough to give us a few minutes here to talk Bucks, a very interesting team. We talked Chargers yesterday. There might be some connection with these two teams as far as the quarterback dominoes that can fall during the 2020 offseason. Some big decisions to be made at especially the quarterback position and franchise-wise for the Buccaneers. New uniforms coming as well, right, James? Thanks for joining the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, that's that's the rumor. It's it's funny. We've heard some conflicting things, and you know, here we heard some stuff that there weren't new uniforms coming, and put an article out on Bucks Nation, and then twenty two hours later, the the Bucks dropped that teaser video. So, not sure exactly what they're alluding to. If it's full fledged new uniforms, if it's uh, you know, kind of a Ram situation where they're going to tweak the helmet a little bit and then do new uniforms the following year, I'm not really sure what it all means quite yet. James, welcome to the show. James, let's talk Jameis. Uh, here's what I think of him as a player. I want to hear what you think of him as a player. I'm still more of a Jameis supporter than I am hater. I think there's a ton of ability there. I love the pitcher-closer mentality. I love the competitiveness. I think there's toughness in his game. I like the way he throws the football. I think he has good tools. Obvious elephant in the room are the turnovers, though, and I think he's just such an inherent risk taker that that probably will never be coached out of him. But I've also said that if he had a semblance of a running game for the last couple of years, a backbone of the offense, and for if for once he wasn't the quarterback throwing with the most degree of difficulty in the league, those turnovers would certainly come down. But that being said, I also think when you look at the three levels of the field, short, intermediate, long, he's not a great deep passer. He's not a great short, anticipatory, accuracy, get it out quick guy. So he kind of makes his living in the intermediate, but that's where all the bodies are. And he sometimes doesn't read the field all that well. So it's a mixture of aggression and passing style that racks up the turnovers yeah i i think that's fair his his deep ball accuracy definitely got better once yeah. he had receivers willing to actually run their routes and try to catch the ball cough cough to sean jackson didn't do that cough cough it's kind uh, of important a little bit um, here's, here's my thing with Jameis. i i am at the point where if the rumors are true and he and his reps are looking for $30 million a year, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, absolutely no way can you pay this guy $30 million a year, regardless of what the quarterback market is. Um, Jameis Winston can make throws that almost no other quarterback in the NFL can make. However, he also makes mistakes that no other quarterback in the NFL will make, and that's that's a problem. And it's 
you know, you can point to some of the interceptions not being his fault. I mean, O.J. Howard, Harlem Globetrotter to ball right into a defender's hands. You have deflected passes. You had some receivers, especially in week one against San Francisco. Uh, Richard Sherman's pick six was because Peyton Barber ran his route too long, uh, and you can't do that on a timing route. But a lot of these mistakes are staring down receivers, you know, being off on timing routes and, and just these mental mistakes that we've seen all the way back to his FSU days. And and I don't think that's ever going to change. So when it comes to Jameis, I am comfortable moving on and doing a, a bridge quarterback, drafting a guy. You know, Eason is a name that's been thrown out a lot for the Buccaneers. You know, let him develop a little bit, learn Bruce Arian's system and then come in 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 2021 or 2022. Um, But I'm not going to, you know, throw a fit if Jameis does return. It's just that that sticking point of how can you tie up, you know, that much cap space in a guy who's been in the league for five years and you still don't know what he is. I I think at this point, after five years, if you don't know what what, what he is, then you know what he is. I, I hear what you're saying, and we know he's a 30-30 guy, and I'm with your camp. I can't make him a 30-30-30 million guy. And if his camp is intent on such numbers or close to it, bye. If not, I think you have to have a plan, like I mentioned earlier. Okay, we're going to try this thing, but you got to structure the team differently. Like maybe you then sign Melvin Gordon or Draft Swift or – what, I mean, you, you got to run the ball more and take more off his plate. Do you agree with that? And you kind of mentioned it before, if you are to move on from him, if he just wants too much, is it draft? Is it a, is, What other names do you have besides Eason that you like? Uh, well, yeah, I, I do agree that they do need some help in the backfield. Peyton Barber is a pending free agent. I don't think the tandem of Barber and Ronald Jones is, you know, the key to success. If you bring in a guy like Gordon, uh, that, that'll definitely help in a big, big way. But I like what I saw out of Ronald Jones. Some of the problems, at least early on, was the commitment to the run. You know, we, we saw the Buccaneers start to fall behind, kind of like they did in the Dirk Cutter era. You know, they would fall behind by one score and then they were just throwing, 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 throwing. Well, that was leading to more James Winston mistakes, which was leading to a larger deficit, which was leading to abandoning the run game completely. You know, they had a game this year where they their starting running backs, you know, between Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber had like six carries. You you can't have that and expect expect Jameis Winston to carry you. He's not that quarterback. He's not the guy that can put the whole team on his shoulders and, and lead you to a win, throwing the ball 50 times a game. So running back is definitely something that needs to be addressed. Outside of Eason, if if the Buccaneers are sitting there at 14 and Jordan Love drops in their lap, I would sprint to the podium. I absolutely adore No matter what. Him. doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, okay. even at this situation – you know, I would say, in my opinion, the the best bet for Jameis would be a franchise tag. But I also believe they're going to kind of reserve that in case they can't get a long-term deal done with Shaq Barrett. So they're in a really sticky situation. They got to figure this out quickly. But I'm I'm not I'm not willing to sign Jameis Winston for an absorbent amount of money 
just to continue to you know be a, a mediocre football team. So really, I don't envy Jason Light and the job that he has to do right now in trying to figure out how to move this franchise forward. When you have Bruce Arians as your head coach, I mean, it doesn't make much sense to do a full rebuild at the quarterback position, right? So if Jameson does move on and the Bucks make that decision to go a different direction at quarterback, it's got to be a veteran guy that they think they could win with now that gets plugged in, right? Oh, absolutely. That's when you do the uh, the bridge veteran slash draft pick uh, scenario, and then you let you let that draft pick, and that's why Eason's name has been thrown out so much. That's a guy that a lot of people believe will fall to the second round. That the Bucks will be able to get big arm, you know, fits the the Bruce Arians quarterback criteria, and then you you do get a veteran quarterback for a one to two year deal, you know, help bring the the guy along, especially some of these guys that are hitting the market that are getting a little bit older. You know, Philip Rivers is a name that's been thrown out a lot too. Um, you know, if Rivers comes in, he knows that he's on the on the back nine of his career. In fact, he's probably approaching the 18th green. So he's not going to have any problem bringing along a, a, a new guy and and trying to help him get up to speed because he'll know that that's the future. But you look at Philip Rivers, you know, the, the Bengals are talking about trading Andy Dalton and, and trying to get him somewhere that he wants to go. You know, can can these guys make some of the throws that Jameis Winston makes? Absolutely not. But have they proven that they can win in this league and they won't make some of the mistakes that Jameis makes? Absolutely. I did a dive uh, at Bucks Nation where I was talking about Rivers versus Winston. And Winston has a career over over five years, a 1.3 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. Phillip Rivers, even with as bad of a year as he had in 2019, is still a career 2 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio guy. So, you know, if if you're looking at a 2 to 1 ratio, you, you can't tell me that Jameis Winston couldn't have finished 2019 with 33 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, and this wouldn't have been a playoff team. So that's really, you know, you you take a look at, at that massive amount of turnovers, especially when seven of them were returned for touchdowns in NFL record, and, and tell me this team's not already on the cusp. They just need someone that's not going to make those critical mistakes and, and put the team in a bad spot. James, if the Patriots, Packers, Steelers, Bears, whomever, offered you a third-round pick for O.J. Howard, are you taking it? No, I know he's no, super not talented, fan. but he's driving me crazy for fantasy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't unload him for a third rounder. No way. Okay. Uh, you know, if you're talking about a second round pick that's in the top five, or a back end first round pick, now we can really start to get negotiations going because this is a guy still on his rookie contract extremely talented player oh, yeah. um you know both in the passing game and as a blocker and you know he's affordable he's not going to break the bank for your team's salary cap so that has to play into it a little bit the problem we saw with OJ Howard is you know the offensive line struggled quite a bit especially on the right side and I know Donovan Smith gets a lot of grief and a lot of flack from Bucks fans. He's really not as bad as people want to make him out to be, but you have an aging DeMar Dotson whose knees are basically non-existent and OJ Howard was having to stay in and, and block and he did a tremendous job. It's it's really one of the um 
you know, one of the things that's not talked about is, you know, people look at the fantasy stats and I was one of them. I had OJ Howard, uh, you know, and it's like, well, OJ Howard's not doing anything. He's a bum. No, he was staying back. Wow, he was right. blocking. He was helping create plays for, you know, two of the NFL's top five receivers in yards and touchdowns who both missed time. Uh, that's, that's what he was doing. So if you shore up, the right side of that line, you know, you draft a guy who's going to replace DeMar Dotson or you go out and you spend the money on Conklin and free agency and you really beef up that that offensive line. O.J. Howard's going to get more opportunity because he's not going to have to stay back and help protect James. I mean, can we please get O.J. Howard on another football team? Because the Bucks franchise is important, Patriots. but Matt Williamson's franchise, his fantasy franchise is more important to me. So let's get that moving. <laughs> I, I, do, I just want to see him get used. I mean, if it's the Bucks or somewhere else, I, I want to see this guy's talent fully uh, involved in the passing game. And I know he's a really good blocker, too, but I want to see more in that passing game. So hopefully he does that with oh, the Bucks if they do yeah. hold on to him. Agreed 100%. Let's talk draft a little bit, James. Uh, looking at mocks here, and, and there's a ton of mocks out there. And in the middle of the first round, I mean, it's just a crazy run. It's like offensive tackle, wide receiver, offensive tackle, wide receiver, boom, 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 in a row. The Bucks have currently the best starting tandem of wide receivers in the NFL, so they'll probably be looking at the other one, the the offensive tackle there, and that's who uh, uh, Jordan Reed here has to them at pick fourteen. Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle out of Georgia, is uh, we're batting a thousand so far too on locked on NFL, talking to people about their football teams. Are the Buccaneers in need of an OT? Could you see that be that that number one need in the middle of the first round if they don't go quarterback? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking, if they don't go quarterback, you're looking at offensive tackle, you're looking at defensive line possibly to replace Indomitian Sue and, and get that long-term uh, tag team partner for Vita Vea in the middle. You know, Kinlaw is a guy that's been linked to them a little bit in, in mock drafts, but you know, if some of these offensive tackles drop, like I, like I mentioned before, you know, with OJ Howard having to stay in to help DeMar Dotson, you know, you you have to replace that right tackle. That is the weak link um, on on this offensive line. You you you've already resigned Donovan Smith. He's going to be here for you know the next couple of years. Ali Marpet, one of the most criminally underrated offensive linemen in all of football. You still have Ryan Jensen in the middle. You have uh, Alex Kappa, who is an up and coming budding. Uh, offensive lineman, another small school guy like Ali Marpet was a starter all season except when he missed a, a couple of games from injury. So right tackle is the glaring need there. And the Bucks haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the first round of the draft, I think, since was it Donald Penn? It's been a long time uh, that that the Bucks addressed offensive line in the first round of the draft. So you see some of these tackles start to slip. I can absolutely see them going after one. James, last thing I wanted to discuss is the defense. And Todd Bowles was our secondary coach when I was with the Browns and had great respect for him. Then I've been rooting for him ever since and trying to take the, I'm not partial towards him. I just think that he is, absolutely one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the league and quietly this defense has gotten a lot better from week one throughout the season the run defense was great and people just said well that's because it's so easy to throw on them no i don't think that's the case at all and it got harder and harder to throw in the box oh it absolutely did yeah the first half of the season we were having 
you know, flashbacks to the Mike Smith defense where it was really easy to throw on them and call it a coincidence if you want to, but the Bucks cut Vernon Hargraves. Yep. <laughs> and all of a sudden the pass defense got a lot better. For those that, that really buy into the pro football focus grading systems and, and all that, you know, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, and Sean Murphy Bunting were consistently creeping up into that top five week after week after week as far as, as their top graded corners. You know, Jamel Dean, he had such a rough game against Seattle. In fact, he had two touchdowns thrown on him in that fourth quarter that, that pushed the game into overtime. The Bucks eventually lost. And after that, he led the NFL in pass breakups. You know, this, this secondary really grew and began trusting one another. And a lot of the credit goes to Todd Bowles. He was, he was teaching these guys a system and teaching them to believe in themselves and to trust one another and just worry about being where you're supposed to be and it started working you know these guys weren't playing 10 15 yards off the line of scrimmage and, and just giving up slants all the way down the field the way I used to when I would play Madden it, it was it really all came together and you add to that Shaq Barrett being the NFL sack leader you have Jason Pierre Paul with eight and a half sacks in 10 games Vita Vea was creating just absolute chaos up the middle so you combine a, an effective pass rush with a young budding secondary and it, it just good all linebacker too out. now. Oh yeah. 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 And Devin White and Levante David came on strong. You know, yep. Levante David's always, always one of the best linebackers, but again, criminally underrated. You know, I look at Levante, I look at at Ali Marpet as two of the most underrated and overlooked guys in the NFL because of where they play. You know, you're not going to get the the national notoriety when you're always on a losing football team, but you know, it is what it is. You have to get wins to get noticed. And and even Shaq Barrett had to walk away without winning defensive player of the year, despite his his 19 and a half sacks. And he was only the second guy in the past. What was it like 17 years to lead the NFL in sacks and not win that award? And, you know, it, it goes because he played on a losing football team in a small market and you know, he's not a name. He's not a guy that's going to be on the cover of Madden. He's not going to sell jerseys to out-of-market, you know, casual fans that just buy up any jersey they can get. So, yeah, the defense really came together the second half of the season. Hopefully they can continue to build on it. And it's one of those situations where Bucks fans are going to start to get worried that Todd Bowles is going to get a second chance to be a head football coach somewhere when really the hope is – once Bruce Arians is ready to move on, Todd Bowles just kind of slides right into that head coaching role and is able to keep this yeah. staff intact. That's what you want. I love seeing the development from the young corners, Carlton Davis, who I really liked coming out of Auburn, and Jamel Dean, and you've got Vea in the middle, Levante Davids, a stud in the coverage game as a linebacker, just a really good player, like you mentioned, really underrated uh, linebacker. Devin White, uh, I mean, Shaq Barrett, just a monster season. And then you look at the the Tampa Bay defense, and I think it was points allowed. They were 29th in the NFL. Was that just a function of the offense hanging the defense out to dry too often and, and playing too many snaps on the defensive side of the ball, or is it the safety position? Is there something you think that can be really fixed on that defensive side of the ball, or is it more about the offense? Well, they, they definitely need to address free safety. I think that that's a, a pretty well-known thing amongst Buccaneers fandom. 
But as far as as points allowed per game, you know, they had a really steep hill to climb after the way they started off the season. You know, they were giving up points like it was nobody's business. So to to be able to try to get that average back down took quite a bit, and it just it it didn't reflect how the defense finished, in my opinion. And I also wonder, you know, when you when you look at at team points allowed per game it doesn't really differentiate unless you're looking at, at a little more in-depth uh defensive rankings it usually doesn't differentiate between points that the defense allowed versus you know those pick sixes or fumble returns for a touchdown right. things like that but you you have to think about you know again turnovers that that created you know, first and 10 for the opposing team in the red zone, because there were quite a few of those. So I, I remember there were there were some times where Jameis would turn the ball over. He had a string of like five consecutive games where he threw an interception on the first drive or his first pass attempt, and it would create problems for this defense, and they would come away only giving up a field goal, and we, we chalked that up as a win. And quite a few of those games, the Buccaneers went on to win. But I think they just they started off so far behind the eight ball, you know, with with how much they gave up in the early part of the season that that average wasn't going to be indicative of the defense's true performance as a whole for 2019. All right, James, real quick. We've got about 30 seconds left. The 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting quarterback in week one will be. Oh, man. Uh, for that. By default, I'm going to say Jameis Winston. Oh, <laughs> to the chagrin of, of many Bucks fans, I'm sure that <laughs> that are ready to move oh, on. Bucks Twitter is a mess. <laughs> I'm sure there's a strong group of people though that love Jameis, right, and, and want to keep him around forever and think he's better than he is, maybe. Yes, and a lot of those tend to have FSU in their name or on their <laughs> picture. <laughs> I know Matt Williamson likes likes Jameis quite a bit still. And and we've talked about, man, maybe if they could just rein him in a little bit or maybe his new team reins him in a little bit. I don't know if that's even possible with the way he's wired. I don't think it is either. He's he's very much this generation's Brett Favre just without the playoff appearances. Wow, there you go. James Yarko, he's the host of Locked On Buccaneers. You can find him on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks. Tell a friend, let him know that the Buccaneers are covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network daily. James, thank you so much for the time. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it.